0: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get
1: ready to rumble! (laughs) Special technique of shadow boxing.
0: Yo, 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 what is up, what is up, what is good, everybody? This is the April 19th, 2020 episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show. I am your host, James Bell, the head of the Boxing Source Movement. You can catch us on social media by going to the Boxing Source on Facebook, you can also follow us on Twitter at boxing source two. You can also go on Instagram, looking up the boxing source, and you can follow the boxing source on YouTube. Just subscribing to the YouTube channel. Right, number to dial in is three four seven two three seven five five three nine. Once again, three four seven. Two three seven five five, three nine, press the one key to get on cue and you'll be able to talk live on the show um, uh, just going to see if I could come up with a few uh on topics uh that have uh you know come up around the sport of boxing over the previous week uh I did have the w b c featherweight champion, Mr. Gary Russell Jr. on an interview yesterday that is available on anchor.fm or iTunes. So be sure to catch that. There will be a few clips available um, on YouTube as well. So um, you can also go, you'll be able to also go on the channel for that. Um, and there was like a lot that was covered in that particular interview. Some of it we'll be able to go into in this particular portion of this podcast. Uh but wanted to uh go through a few news and notes and then after that try to go over a few quote unquote fantasy fights or fights that would have happened they were like scheduled to happen or they were uh pretty much signed and they didn't end up happening. So we're going to go through that here in this particular show. Uh, But uh, what I wanted to do was try to, you know, cover a few news and notes uh, there uh, within the uh, sport of boxing. And, you know, one thing that I wanted to kind of uh, go into is – it uh, seems like the story of the fight that happened on February 22nd uh seems like it hasn't necessarily left um completely um it says that on boxing scene that there's an article there by Keith Adick. Um, it talks about Deontay Wilder, and I know that um, we have a frequent caller on here that is the president of the Deontay Wilder fan club, and also another caller that is the supposed vice president of the Deontay fan club, Deontay Wilder fan club. That is. And I'm wondering what they have to say about what has been posted this afternoon. Uh, Deontay Wilder says that he felt like a zombie against Tyson Fury, and he wasn't there from the first bell on February 22nd. Uh, like I said, this uh, our article is posted on Boxing Scene by Keith Heideck. Um And uh, it seems like uh, Wilder had talked about this in an interview with Kenneth Buari and Mike Rosenthal in the PBC podcast. Uh, He said, Deontay Wilder says, think about it, that it's easy to understand, you know, what type of person Deontay Wilder was in that moment of time, you know, Even when I took off my mask and the things that I was doing, you know, I've been in this sport for a very long time. People have seen me fight, you know, all over the world for a very long time. So people automatically knows, you know, how I am and, you know, how I should look. And people that know boxing know that wasn't Deontay Wilder that night. I was a zombie that night. Um, all right, um, all right, let me let me let me let me uh let me go through this a little bit more of what I guess was said in the PBC podcast. Uh, so Deontay Wilder says it was something like I said, I can't talk about a lot of things, but it wasn't Deontay Wilder that night. You could tell from the mask my reaction to certain things that I was doing in the ring, you know. You can look from the first fight into the second fight. You can tell it was two different people uh, that night. From a guy that from the first side of the bell was in retreat mode. The first fight, when the first bell sounded, I was on the hunt. You know, I don't go backwards. You go forward. And that night, I wasn't myself. I felt like a zombie in there. Okay. So... Um, he does say that, uh, everything's going to be all right and he's looking forward to coming back in there and then, you know, doing what he has to do. Um, he says, I don't want to feel like I'm making any excuses or anything like that. Um, just want people to know that I'm happy. I'm in full health and I'm coming back stronger than ever. Now, uh, they say that the third fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder is, Scheduled for October 3rd it was initially scheduled for July 18th at MGM Grand Garden Arena uh, but you know due to the effects of uh, COVID-19 that fight has been you know postponed to this proposed date of October 3rd um, but you know kind of uh, see this as being interesting um, to say the least that Deontay Wilder uh, is making these comments because this is it's been a good little while ever since that video of um, you know him saying yo, king is here. You know, <laughs> oh god, here we go. All right, let me, let me let me let me calm down here, let me calm down. All right, so it has been the first time since that particular. A uh, video that Deontay Wilder has basically said anything in reference to a fight that happened on February 22nd. Um, the thing is, is that a lot of or a good number of people um, had not heard from Deontay Wilder ever since that particular video. I mean, he's had like appearances. Um, you know, photo shoots so to speak. Um but, you know, other than that, uh, we hadn't really heard from him uh from a you know social standpoint uh since that video. So uh having this particular, you know, conversation that Deontay Wilder had with uh Ken Buari and Mike Rosenthal is uh kind of interesting right there. I think it may have a color Uh, Coming in here from the 205 Area Code, uh, who is the vice president of the Deontay Wilder Fan
2: Club, Mr. Mike Grady. What's going on? (laughs) What's going on, JR? How you doing, man? I didn't catch the beginning of what you said about Wilder, just literally the end of what you just said. So if you don't mind repeating it, I would love to hear that.
0: Okay, so this is... um, well, I, I'm pulling up a, an article on Boxing Scene, which is basically a summary of what uh, Deontay Wilder said in the PBC podcast. Uh, so um, so Deontay Wilder was uh, talking with Ken Buery and Mike Rosenthal, and he uh, kind of said that uh, he felt like a zombie from the first bell against Tyson Fury on uh, February 22nd in the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Uh, He said, like, uh, you know, (laughs) that uh, he could tell from the mask or my reaction to certain things that I was doing in the ring, and you could look from the first fight into the second fight, you could tell that it was two different people uh, that night. Um, So he's kind of, like, making, like, a comparison from his approach in the first fight to his approach in the second fight and saying that, uh they were two completely uh different people. Um you know, like I was saying, uh, this you know article is posted by Keith Eidick on Boxing Scene but um if there's a way to you know get to the PBC podcast then uh, you'll be able to access that you know PBC podcast to uh listen to what Deontay Wilder uh said uh there on that podcast but um the headline is basically that Wilder said that he felt like a zombie um in his second fight against Tyson Fury. So um And your
2: rebuttal to that is what there.
0: And what what was that?
2: Your rebuttal to that is what? what you, you you know, take my thing is of?
0: my thing is with with Deontay Wilder, right? Um we we, we both know that he is a very prideful man and he's a very confident uh man so that you know no matter like who he you know is positioned to go in the ring against he feels that he would go in there uh do his thing and you know knock his opponent out and then that would be that. Uh but you know this is the first time, you know, for, February 22nd was the first time that not only did he lose, but he basically got battered at that particular point. Um, So with that being said, that kind of like is a, you know, a rude awakening for Deontay Wilder that, you know, he, he basically felt like he was invincible for a good amount of time. And then you go from that point to being defeated and being defeated soundly by Tyson Fury, um, that it's, you know, basically a concern. But, you know, for me, the way that he is reacting to this is of a concern uh, to me, uh, in that he says that, oh, he feels like a zombie, and, and uh, that, you know, it was two different people or or something like that. Like, that, that concerns me, because it still doesn't give him the ability to admit that he lost the fight and then he got beat by someone who was better than him that night. And it's not like he's giving Tyson Fury credit for doing uh, what he was saying that he was going to do and that he actually executed it to a T. And, like, I don't see, like, something about, like, him saying that, oh, I got to work on this, I got to work on that. You know, there were, you know a lot of flaws or something like that. So that's where I get it. That's where I,
2: uh, you know, have my thoughts on what he's saying here. Um. So I would say directly after the fight, I recall Deontay Wilder saying that he got beat by the better man, like literally directly after the fight. Don't quote me, but I recall him saying that he said that Tyson Fury was the better man tonight. And then went off into the, to the sunset, <clears throat> But when I watched the fight, like, when I literally was watching the fight, I was in Italy. It was maybe, like, 4 o'clock in the morning in Italy. And I'm watching this fight, and I'm like, something's wrong with him. Like, the way that he was responding, how slurry he was, the way his eyes were, like, bloodshot, the way he was dragging his head, I feel like the man was dehydrated or something. There was something wrong with him. He was a shell of himself. If you look at any fight of Deontay Wilder, even when he was getting bruised and battered with Luis Ortiz, he wasn't looking like he was dehydrated or a man who couldn't barely, like, keep his damn head up. Like, he literally in the corner could not keep his head up. And, like, if you look at his eyes, he looked like a man who could could possibly have died that night, you know, like. You know, the death in boxing happens when guys are dehydrated and they keep trying to push. And then they don't have, like, brain on their fluid. And then, I mean, they don't have fluid on their brain. And then when they get hit, that's when stuff starts bobbling to the side and you get damage like that or whatever. And then you get all this increased swelling. But he looked like he was dehydrated and it was just just a shell of himself, even in how he responded and getting hit to shots. Like, I saw him and I was just telling the people who were around me, Something's wrong with him. And as much as I was hoping that he threw the big shot, I was like, you know, like I was happy that they stopped the fight because that wasn't going to be his night. He wasn't going to pull it together. He wasn't going to get a second win because he was dehydrated. Something was wrong with him. He was dehydrated. Like something internal was wrong with him. Sure, um, it had to do with his mental state where he was pacing the whole time. And he wasn't, like, contenting himself. Like, the whole time before the fight, he was pacing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That fatigues you. That mental stress that you put in yourself fatigues you. But even past that, the man was dehydrated or something. Something, like, if you look at how, um, I don't know if it was Austin Trout or whoever it was, but you remember one of the, we talked about this fight, but it was one of the fights where the guy Looked just like a real shell of himself, and, and it just he just looked so lethargic, and he barely could hold his head up. I think it was Austin Trout, and one of Austin Trout. He he made it to the end, whoever it was, but you could tell something was wrong with him. And and Hunter Wilder behaved the exact same way as if he was dehydrated. I don't think that him saying that, you know, I was a shell of myself, which if you look at the fight and see every one of his other fights, even in him getting touched and hit and stuff. Sure Tyson Fury did a, a totally different thing than anyone else did. However, when he got touched by Luis Ortiz, he didn't behave like that. He didn't behave like he couldn't keep his head up. And you know, he was he was hurt more in the Luis Ortiz fight, like hurt like mentally hurt like like uh concussed wise. In this fight, he was just dehydrated. Like it was it was some other issue other than him getting concussed. I mean obviously he, hmm. he may have concussed with getting hit behind the head too but uh but what what I'm saying is there was something else as if even before the fight began he was dehydrated. Like the way he behaved. He won the second round in my opinion, but other than that, it was just it just looked real bad and I'm like, man, he, he's not even behaving right, like he's not responding right. It just I, I was up for the man to be honest, dog. I, I literally was like Stop this shit. Like, I really don't want to see this man to continue. Like, let him go out on his shield. No, do not let him go out on his shield. This is when the motherfucker died because he dehydrated. I'll I'll shut up and let you talk. Well, um, one of the
0: things that I'm, you know, looking for here with um, Wilder is that, I mean, you talk about his his thing with him being dehydrated. I mean, I don't necessarily know about that, but what I do know is that for this particular fight, he was the heaviest that he has been in his professional career. Yeah. Like, he, um, like, the last time that he was, like, that heavy was around the time that he fought, you know, um, uh, Molina and Duhoppas, you know, Duopa. Um and he was around like, you know, a little bit below two thirty uh for those fights. But you know, when he when he was um there against uh, Luis Ortiz and uh Fury the you know the first time like he was down there below two hundred and fifteen pounds. You know. Um so Thing about it is, is like you you can't necessarily weight fluctuate like that, and you know have you know a, a pretty good uh, effort, you know, regardless, or you know try to keep up that effort um, for an extended period of time, because uh, you know you know what was it March third, twenty eighteen, when I was there to watch uh, the first Luis Ortiz fight at the Barclays Center. You know, he was there at, like, 214. Then he had the fight against Tyson Fury where he was, like, 212, 212. And then Dominic Brazil, he's, you know, up to 223. And then he goes back down to 219 and then goes up to 231. So you go from 212 in at the end of 2018 to... 231 in 2020 and then fluctuate up and down in between those fights like that you know that's you know that ain't you know all too all too good um, doing that because you your body can't necessarily respond to uh, that now I mean that could you know that could definitely be a factor especially given that you're talking about Deontay Wilder, who has been in the game since 2008. So he's there at like 34. Um, shoot, by the time this second fight happens, he'll be almost he'll be like what about a week or so um, before he turns 35. And being at that particular point as a heavyweight, uh, that's kind of you know long. You know, fairly longer than two, so to you know, so to speak, and it's not like he's you know had a quote unquote break like Tyson Fury has, and Fury is younger than um, you know Wilder, so it, it it gets to be a little bit difficult, especially if you're going to put in all that weight at this particular point in your career and at this age, like you know how hard it is to you know, try to burn those calories off or burn that extra weight off. Um, Metabolism ain't as as good um, when you hit around that age. So it's going to be a lot tougher for Deontay Wilder to cut that weight if he wants to cut that weight. Um, Even though he was talking about, you know, leading into this particular fight that he wanted to, you know, get bigger so he would have more power and finish off uh, Tyson Fury. Like, there's a way to gain weight and, you know, like a right way to gain weight and and keep your, you know, um, speed or, you know, power, or whatever it is. But if you can't harness all of that and develop that the right way, then, yeah, you can get uh, tired very easily. And with Deontay Wilder, you know, I've said this for a while with Deontay Wilder, he, you know, exerts himself a lot when he throws his punches in that when you do that, you do you do use a lot of your energy when you throw the punches the way that Deontay Wilder throws. And if you can't necessarily keep all of that up, then, yes, you will get winded, you will get tired, and you'll have to, you know, basically fend for yourself until you can catch your breath. And, you know, Wilder wasn't able to do that um, on February 22nd, and, yeah, he ended up getting battered. Uh, significant, like, it.
2: So it looked like he, do you think this, it looked just solely that he was winded or it looked like literally, th- did he look like he was just a tired fighter or did he look like he was dehydrated from you seeing fighters who looked dehydrated? To me, I think it's, it's like a lot of that.
0: I think it's tired. I think it's, you know, the weight, you know. And I mean,
3: it, it, you're right.
2: Deny that. You're right. Yeah, because,
0: like, for me, it is, it's, it's more towards, like, if I wanted to point to anything, it's the weight. Because, like, my thing is, if you know that you have been able to perform, you know, to the ability that you were able to perform around a certain weight, why change that? Like, why fix, try to fix something that's not broken? That doesn't make sense to me. So I would rather, you know, have a fighter come in at a weight that he's comfortable at than try to gain weight to try to, you know, supposedly gain power. When if you gain power, you might lose speed by doing that, or you might lose your mobility by doing that. And I think that making that investment to try to pack on more pounds ended up hindering him in this fight against Tyson Fury where he isn't used to having those additional pounds on him. Tyson Fury was.
2: It definitely affected him. It definitely affected him. Yeah. You know,
0: I mean that that's that's kind of like how how I um, you know, kind of get it. Um, you know, like I said they they are scheduled to uh, fight on October 3rd. Um, at the MGM Grand Garden Arena, you know, hopefully that will jump off it on October third. Um, but we, you know, we'll see about that, and you know, kind of like you know, looking forward to see you know what happens here with Deontay Wilder. This is going to be you know his most important fight by far of his professional career because, from a business standpoint, you know, um. He he can't it, it it he has to be able to account for himself in this third fight and not have a repeat of the second fight. You know, if he has a repeat of the second fight, that's gonna be you know a real deterrent uh, for him in his professional career. You know, whether he goes forward with his career or not. You know, um. So you yeah, know, that's what I got on that man. Um, that. You know, it's it's going to be a key you know key uh, point in his you know pro career. Um, how he approaches this third fight that is scheduled you know for October third at the MGM uh, Grand Garden Arena, and <laughs> I don't I don't know once they have that fight you know signed if they're going to still have those ticket prices. It looks like those have <laughs> ticket prices that. beforehand. <laughs> that was yo. Know, that was horrible. But hey, that's how they, they got wanted. that gate, man. That's how they got that gate to uh, what was it? Break the record for heavyweight fights, you know. So, um, man. So there's that, and then um, it's like another story that um, came out here uh earlier today in reference to um, one topic that was talked about uh. You know, <laughs> three months ago. Um, so, French on Cruz uh says that Alejandro, damn it, Alejandro Jimenez uh, should be suspended for at least two years. Uh, you know, the WBC still has not given back the title to French on Cruz Deserne at this particular wow. point. It's still. Uh, vacant and, um, you know, that like French on Cruz is saying that, you know, the whole situation is not complicated given that um, Jimenez, uh, you know, had tested positive for law and then, you know, it was still, you know, he couldn't really appeal it. Uh, but the problem was with this thing is that, The testing sample that was collected on January 10th, which was the day before the fight, uh, came back positive, but it wasn't discovered until January 24th. Um, And that a 90-day suspension was issued to Jimenez by the uh, Department of Licensing and Regulation uh, on there. Um, The WBO you know, had immediately um, returned the title to Franchon Cruz's own, but the WBC uh, is on that BS, uh, you know, and still hasn't uh, returned that belt, you know, as of yet. And uh, Cruz's Earn says that um, Jimenez should be suspended for two years um, for having that failed test. Uh, one, But my thing is, how come after, you know, they tested positive, how come that they didn't, uh, you know, basically halt the fight and that it wasn't even found out until two weeks after the fight? So not only should she, she be suspended, and then, you know, that, that that result should be completely reversed or changed a no contest.
2: So, so they did confirm that she was on, uh, PDS, right? Some type of performance enhancing drug. Yes, they, that was confirmed. Yes. And they had yes. you saying they have not taken any action to take the belt away, or or has, has the fight even been called like a no contest or anything like that? The WBO,
0: um, the WBO returned the belt to, Fran Cruz. The WBC did not. Yeah, the WBC did not. Um, And that is, and that's crazy because this is supposed to be, you know, held under the, um, you know, clean boxing program and all of that. So, yeah, they they made it a no decision. Um, It was changed to a no decision uh, in February 10th. Uh so the thing is is that, you know, with it being a no decision, Jimenez can't necessarily, you know, have those belts and uh the, like I said, the WBO um returned the title to Franchon Cruz's earned, but the WBC still hasn't. Uh mind tripping,
2: man. Yeah, do you think there is money to be had by Making sure um um what's the dude name again? I mean what's the lady name again? Alejandro Jimenez. Alejandro, uh to make sure that she um like had a belt to where they could to where they would have to do it again or, you know, it would be money in them doing it again. Do you think this is like a <laughs> a money motivated decision to where if they fought again it would be money in the fight because I mean it was a good fight obviously. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, it was really- a good fight. Um but
0: that The thing about it is, is that man um first the first thing is what is the overall suspension going to be for uh Jimenez uh because the thing is is that like they had the Texas um the Texas um sporting you know group suspended Jimenez for ninety days. That's just, you know, ninety days. Uh backdated to the field test. So by now that thing is done. You know, it's past uh, three months. So that ninety day suspension is gone uh for you know testing positive but my thing is is that even if they even tried that, Fran is not going to have another fight with Ana Jimenez when she tested positive for, for the banned substance, and they didn't notify the groups until two weeks after the fight took place. So one, actually what should happen is the purse that Jimenez got for that fight should be rescinded. Or she should have to pay that back. Because if she tested positive the day before, then one, the fight shouldn't have happened in the first place. You know, so that's the thing with the, you know, that's the thing with that. It's like, how are you going to have the, you know, both of them fight when one of them is, you know, testing a positive for an illegal substance?
2: You know. Politics is usually you know. where. I-
0: Yep. Yep. So, I mean, that's kind of like how that, you know, thing turns out with, with that. And, um, you know, I just want to see like what happens um, once everything picks up for that. Cause I really would, you know, say something to the WBC or, you know, really a uh, petition the WBC to say like, Hey, look, she cheated. I should get the belts back and belt back. And that's, you know, the end of that. Uh, So it's kind of like how they do it. Um, Let me see this thing here. Uh, There's also, like, recent news about uh, Jonathan Banks, who is a trainer of uh, Gennady Golovkin. Um, And Jonathan Banks, who you know, Trains Gennady Golovkin is saying that he is not, you know, really uh, looking forward to seeing Golovkin facing Canelo uh, next. Uh, He's saying that, like, the plan was for him to, you know, fight a fight as mandatory and then get another fight and then fight Canelo. Um, You know, they're under, of course, um, Canelo and Golovkin are under contract to uh the zone, and there was you know a scheduled fight uh between Canelo and Golovkin that September 12th in the AT&T stadium um but uh seems like Jonathan Banks is not with the plan of uh that being Golovkin's next fight that they wanted to have him face his IBF mandatory and then after that mandatory um, you know, with face uh, Canelo uh, right there, but I, I kind of like felt it was you know very weird that uh, Golovkin wanted to face his IBF mandatory immediately um, instead of the a rematch with um, Sergey Derevianchenko because Derevianchenko beat him, man, he beat him. Like he straight up beat him, and then they ended up giving the decision to Golovkin for Golovkin to get that IBF title, and so now it's like people want to see that rematch, but Golovkin is choosing to go ahead and fight, or wants to go and fight Camille Cesaremeta before having to fight with uh, Canelo Alvarez. Um, so you know, Jonathan Banks is not necessarily you know down with the uh, notion of not having a fight between Golovkin and Cesare Meta before the fight between Golovkin and Canelo uh, there. So me, I'm like this. I just want to see Canelo fight Golovkin and then finally beat Golovkin soundly and stop him for the first time in Golovkin's career. Just stop him and not even, you know, have that um, IVF title on the line, even though I don't think it will be on the line. I think they agreed to um, having that fight above 160 pounds. So the IBM title wouldn't even be on the line. So uh, what do you think about uh, Jonathan Banks' thoughts of, you know, not going into uh, that Canelo fight straight away?
2: You don't think that he beat himself in the second fight?
0: No, I'm saying that I want to see Canelo beat Golovkin more soundly and stop him on September 12th yeah I said it on wax I don't care I've said it multiple times I don't like Golovkin and it is what it is alright so there
2: um I mean I don't know the fighter Jonathan Banks fighter I, I I don't think I've seen him if I have I don't recall his fight but uh and Chico, I know Golovkin don't want that work no more. That's just too much trouble for, for not enough payoff. I don't see many people who would, who would want that, you know, who would want to do that again, especially if all he got is is just something to lose. Um, I mean, I do think Canelo is going to bring the pain to him. And what that means, how that looks, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be, a, you know, basically a wash because, like I said, with it, you know, contracted to be above 160 pounds, like, Canelo wouldn't have to worry about no IVF rules, even though he wouldn't even cater to the IBF rules anyway. He would just want to fight and he'd be like, yo, I'm going to come in here in whatever weight I want to. Either you're going to have the fight or you're not going to have the fight,
1: <laughs>
0: and I don't care about no belt. I'm Canelo, <laughs> so it's either you fight me and get the money, and then you're gonna get this work, or you just got to be, you know, SOL in that instance. So, you know, that's kind of like how I, you know, feel about it is that Canelo is saying like, look, this is you know the fight, you know, one of the fights that. The zone wants to put together. Um, It's the biggest fight that they could, you know, possibly make uh, for this year. So, of course, they want to, you know, make that thing happen by, you know, any means that they want to. So Canelo, as long as he gets that money, then, you know, that's, that's all they want. Uh, is for that fight to happen, and then once the fight is signed, and Canelo is going to go in there, train, and he's going to be there above 160 pounds, and he's going to try to because he just does not like the guy, straight up. Oh. So I mean that's you know kind of like the news um, that that is out there, other than. Um, you know, what was talked about the other day. I uh, did have WBC featherweight champion Gary Russell Jr. on, and, and one of the topics that we were talking about is him uh, announcing that he wants to move up to 135 pounds in the lightweight division. Uh, he said that, you know, he's made multiple attempts to try to fight the under champions at 126, and they didn't want to fight gary russell jr so um he says like only right now the only person at 126 that would really have any interest in fighting them is Shakur stevenson the wbo featherweight champion so if they're not you know willing to make the moves to make that fight then he says he's going to go up to 135 You have those guys there kevante tank davis uh Basil Lomachenko with the rematch that he you know that Gary Russell has been chasing uh you know with uh, Lomachenko still has the fight with um Teofimo Lopez that has to be a lockdown so we'll have to wait to see what happens after that um if Lomachenko would be available to fight Gary Russell Jr. in a rematch and that um He also talked about a fight with Tank Davis and how big that fight would be if it was in the D.C. area. I'd say get it over in the uh, Verizon Center or whatever they call it now uh, in downtown D.C., and you would have D.C., uh, Maryland, and all of D.C. and all of Maryland coming in to see that particular fight as a main event. Um, But also, also on... Was it Friday? Devin Haney called out Gary Russell Jr. on Twitter and said that, hey, if you could make one thirty five, then what's up? Then let's get it on at one thirty five. And so, um, that is also a you know possible match that could uh happen uh right there. So um any thoughts about those possible matchups before I go into Uh, what Devin Haney said the other day on uh, YouTube.
2: Say the matchups one more time. Gary Russell and who now?
0: Gary Russell against Tank Davis at 135, uh, against Vasyl Lomachenko at 135, or against Devin Haney at 135.
2: I'm not sure that he'll win the fights, but there'll definitely be competitive fights. Even when I went back and looked at his fight against Lomachenko, he didn't get like whitewashed. It was uh, Lomachenko won the fight, but it was a competitive win for Lomachenko. Like it was competitive, but Lomachenko won the fight. Um, so if he had another fight, maybe he make the right adjustments with Lomachenko um, in terms of tank. And again, I'm, I haven't watched Devin Haney enough to know what his body of work is, but. Tank Davis, I think he would offer problems to Tank. Tank would also offer problems to him. I would have to think about it a bit more in terms of what I think uh Gary Russell's strengths are and Tank Davis's strengths. Gary Russell is known for going 12 rounds, correct?
0: Yeah, uh he's had, you know, fights where he stopped opponents uh like, you know, against Oscar condone. and but yeah, he can go 12 comfortably, no
2: problem. So I think that'll be to his advantage if he get past the first few rounds with Tank and don't get caught by then crazy, and he get Tank, Tank past like round six and making Tank expend energy. If he does that, then Tank going to have to go to a place where he ain't, you know, where he necessarily hadn't had to go per se. And mm-hmm. I think Gary Russell will bring that out of him, you know. But he just got to get past rounds. Round six or so, don't get hit by nothing big. Yeah, competitive fights though. I mean, Gary Russell against anybody is going to be a against any top competitor would be a good fight. People would be willing to see it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I definitely be willing to see it. Um, I think it would be uh, something that you wouldn't necessarily be held in. You know, MGM uh national harbor uh where gary russell has had multiple fights or you know where um you know tank davis has had uh fights held um when you know he did have his
1: fight he
0: did have his fight in atlanta that you know we were there uh to see um and then you know before that uh he had his you know fight against uh, ricardo nunez over in um you know an arena in Baltimore, so that particular venue was you know fairly sold out or well, I think it was nearly sold out so uh you do have an instance where he kind of uh brings a lot of attention um you know to his fights uh he's of course he's had those instances of uh you know some small incidents uh whether it's in Virginia or uh, over by uh, Baltimore or something like that. But as long as he doesn't get in too much trouble, put into a position where he would be marketed to a level that a lot of people want to see him, whether it's they want to see him win or they see him lose. Either way, a lot of people want to see him. So um, right now, the uh, fight between Tank Davis and Gary Russell Jr. would be uh, really uh, interesting. Uh, There And, you know, like I said, fight between Gary Russell Jr. and Devin Haney, you know, you have Devin Haney very young, Um, seems like he's very hungry there at 135. Uh, But Gary Russell is like, yo, I will go ahead and I will face anybody at 135 pounds. I still got the, you know, the speed and the skill level to take on and compete with anybody at 135. Uh, so he's like, hey, if Devin Haney wants that smoke, then he could come and get it. You know, that's you know, what Gary said uh, yesterday. Um, but uh, I did, you know, have that small clip uh, that um, I shared uh, with you and a group of what another <laughs> caller who was talking about uh, with Devin Haney. So that's, I'm sorry. I'm still, yo. I'm still like <laughs> blown off by what, what what Terrell said yesterday, man. That was just, yo. That just, yo. That just killed me, man. Um, what did he say? I forgot what he
2: said. Yeah, he
0: basically called out Devin Haney. He said, "Look, Devin Haney is you know saying all of these names, but you know right now around this time, you know it's 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 one thing to say all these names when nobody's really fighting." But when things pick back up and, you know, we have uh, fights that could be, you know, set up and signed, will Devin Haney still have that same energy in calling out Gary Russell Jr.? And uh, Terrell basically said if Devin Haney doesn't have that same energy once things pick up back up, then, you know, he says that Haney is basically pulling the punk move um, there. <laughs> that's yep. that's all point. To say. But he he didn't he didn't say punk, but yo, I ain't gonna repeat it, yo. you just gotta play that clip when you, when you get the chance, man. It's yo, it, that was just just crazy, man. But with Devin Haney, um, there's also been you know some controversy over the past uh 48 hours or so uh, because Devin Haney and his father Bill Haney were on a um you know youtube live uh telecast and you know someone uh on youtube that he was with was bringing up the uh possibility of devin haney uh fighting lomachenko and you know devin haney said that you know on my life I'll never let a white boy beat me or you know something to that particular uh extent and it was kind of similar to uh, back years ago when Bernard Hopkins fought Joe Calzog. And before that fight, Bernard Hopkins told Joe Calzog, I'll never let a white boy beat me. And, you know, with Devin Henney saying it, it's like, oh, like everybody's like reacting like, oh, that's a quote-unquote racist comment and, you know, that's offensive or, you know, anything like that. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's, I mean – my thing is is that comments like that almost is like a part of boxing unfortunately that it brings interest it it definitely just it did its job as far as I'm concerned is that yo if you want to create some uh you know uh interest or reaction to what you say that's one of the ways that you do it you know um and like I said, it's been a part of boxing since, you know, basically the beginning. I mean, they, you know, did that with the Jack Johnson fights and, um, you know, some things with, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali or uh, versus, um, who is it, Chuck Webner? So, so that's the thing that you have uh, as part of boxing is that race is something that is used as a marketing tool uh, for people to be interested in a fighter, whether it's, you know, to be in favor of them or to be against them.
2: I think racism is a bit, is a bit stronger of a term. It's insensitive, definitely insensitive. Mm-hmm. But it ain't no different from what um, other people do. Let me, let me just say that. What other yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. It,
2: yeah. It's just insensitive, but, you know, you ain't, People don't just automatically just say, "Oh, you're racist." Some people do, but you know, people who are like culturally open just know that it's insens- insensitivity, and you know, that's exactly what it is. It's insensitive. Yeah. I mean, okay, tell him it's insensitive, teach him, and um, you know, keep it moving.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna see if um, yo, know, I could like pull this up again. Um, so let me see if I could. Uh... Yeah, like cue it up a wet night and see if I could like play it. So this is like coming from I guess is who is it like a '78 Sports or something like that, uh, having a conversation with Bill Haney and Devin Haney, and um, is basically a reaction to um, one comment from someone that was you know watching the uh, live stream. So let's see if I could uh, queue it up here once again.
3: So in the heights of Loma, so I can rip. <laughs> He said, "He said, I hope you, He was, not was like, a TV all day long. He said, keep grinding, Devin. Uh, greatness is coming.' Yeah, it's there. Yes, true. Yes, so i I'm never, I would never lose to white boy in my life. I don't care what nobody else says. If there ain't no white boy that beat me, I do any day of the week.
0: So, that's the that's the comment there from uh, Devin Haney."
2: Where's Haney from? Yo. What, Haney? Where's he from? Well, oh, they
0: don't run like Vegas.
2: I'm not trying to be funny. Um, the reason why I know it's insensitivity, because me growing up in a black neighborhood at a predominantly black school, black this, black that, black this, black that, people would say that all the time. And, you know, when you open your eyes and go to college, you see that there are some white boys that are just as athletic as whatever. And, and race ain't really a thing, but it's just people in their little small bucket who they feel what they feel. But when they get introduced to something more, their eyes open a bit. It's just insensitivity. You just need to be introduced to something more, you know, just need to be introduced to just the, the bigger world out there. And, and that's all that is. Is it racism? No, it's, Insensitivity Introduce the man To uh, uh, a of the world <laughs> Keep him moving mm,
0: See that Now um, Seeing I got another Call in here From the 773 Area code What's up You're on the Boxing Source Radio show
3: Yo what's going on Man This is Bo Three Kings Boxing What's up family
0: Yo what's good Bo how you been Man
3: I've been good Trying to survive I mean, Trying to survive And find something To do with This COVID 19 Man I You know, I can't punch my kids no more, so they got to open up these (laughs) gyms, man. (laughs) (laughs) They got to get get these (laughs) gyms open in a hurry. (laughs) Say what now?
2: (laughs) You landed too many on them. They they ain't sticking and moving good enough.
3: No, they not, man. All right, so I hear (laughs) y'all talking about the Devin Haney situation, right? Yeah. All right, here's the thing, man. People want to call it racism, and the problem here is, the problem is, man, I've been around boxing for a long time. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've i been following boxing dogs since the 70s. Nothing that I hear in boxing ever surprises me nor does it bother me because I understand why fighters say things and why they do things. Now, I don't think – is it racial? No, it's not racial. But here's the problem that, that cats are having. A, hey, number one, you have to remember the history of this. This was one said before by Bernard Hopkins, Right? Yeah. Now, it was considered insensitive then, okay? But And maybe you have some people that might think it's insensitive now, but let me put people on to something, man. And this is for me, and I'm going to speak from my experience, right? When I was fighting or playing football, dog, I always got up. Like, something in me got up more when it was someone that was white, Okay? And yeah. At, at, at the, at the, okay. So at the end of the day, understand something, man. Black and white has been pitted against each other from when it comes to sports for, for, for fucking shit since all of us was born, since, all, since our parents' parents was born, right? Right. So when you get out there on that field, when you out there on like like man, when I used to step in the ring, and I, I I'm not gonna even lie, I, I I was always up for whoever it was any freaking way, right? But I always got up when there was a rival, which means a dude from a rival gym. And if I looked across and it was a white dude, my mind like, yo, man, I'm not going to lose to this motherfucker, right? And that that's just, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's my mind frame. So I understand what Devin Haney is saying and what he means. But he's also saying it in the aspect of this, he's trying to bait Lomachenko into a fight. <laughs> now, did he go – some people might feel like, hey, man, he went too far with the things he said. And I get all of that. And I and – I, I'm not gonna sit, you know, sit down and say, "Hey, everybody on here, you know, need to be quiet or whatever it is." You can't, you can't predict or understand how people are gonna take things or how they're gonna feel, right? But in today's mm-hmm. world, you do have to be careful what you say because the reality is, man. When Bernard Hopkins said that there was no social media back then, right? So imagine there had been social media back then when Bernard Hopkins said it. At the height that we know that that type of thing was way higher than what it is right now, okay. So imagine Bernard Hopkins would have said that back then. the shit would have been on fire. Devin Haney saying it was insensitive. I agree with my man when he said it might have been a little bit too insensitive. I agree with that. But I don't think Devin Haney don't know that. I think he does know that. But I think that's the reason why he said it because he's like, man, I'm trying to get this dude in the ring. So I'm going to say whatever I need to say to get this dude in the ring. You see what I'm saying? So I don't think it's a matter of he needs to be taken somewhere to show that. No, Devin Haney knows that. You know what I'm saying? His father, Bill Haney, has been around. He's an OG. He's been around for a yep. while. He knows that. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yep. I, think it's a situ- I think it's a situation of he's just trying to get anybody he can in the ring because here's the, the reality is there's a lot of people that feel Devin Haney needs to do more. And, I mean, and if we keep it real, right. there are fights out there where people are looking at making fights and they're moving around Devin Haney because of the money factor. So if he's trying to remain relevant get in there. Now, I'm not going to say what he said was wrong, because if he shit talked his way into a fight, it is what it is. We've seen a lot of guys shit talk their way into a fight, right? But at the end of the day, man, I, I truly feel that when you are black, and, and, and this, might, I, this, this, this might come out to a lot of people as being kind of fucked up in this. I truly understand, dog, when, 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 when you are black and you say certain things, regardless of whether you're strong or you convicted in them certain things, there are a group of people who are sitting, waiting to trounce on you and jump on you and overheighten certain things you say because of that reason right there. What do y'all think, man?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel what you're saying there in, in reference to that, as far as like um, you know, doing what whatever is necessary to try to get that fight with Lomachenko, um, you know, because that is you know a fight that would you know, define Devin Haney as, you know, a, you know, superstar. If he's able to do um, something that, you know, not anybody was able to do is like pretty much like stop Lomachenko. So he was trying to get in that race to be the man, the first man to stop Lomachenko. Um, And that when when it was talked about initially, they, well, Bob Arum really wasn't, you know, reluctant to, I mean, he wasn't really interested in making that fight, whether Devin Haney was signed with, uh, you know, Eddie Hearn or not. He wasn't really interested in making that fight uh, because he knew that Haney was very confident in, in beating a guy. And this is Devin Haney that's coming down to 135. So he's, you know, walking around at like 143 or 145, coming down to 135 where Lomachenko is going up to 135. And I've said this, you know, ever since Lomachenko's fight with Jorge Lenores, he's not really the same type of fighter at lightweight that he was at super featherweight. He doesn't have the type of movement to get in and out of the pocket like he did at super featherweight. So, you know, with that being said, fighting guys that are younger than him, Bigger than him and faster than him, you know, to a certain extent. That's a combination for trouble. And so it's like when Devin Haney became the interim WBC champ, he was like, yo, I'm next for Lomachenko. But what they did was they made Lomachenko the franchise champion so that he wouldn't have to face Devin Haney. That's the reason why he's going over to face Teofimo Lopez right now, is because he won't face Devin Haney, and
2: that's pretty much what it is.
3: Yeah, Um, yeah, no, yeah. Oh no, my bad. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
2: Speaking on what you what you said, I mean, as us as black men, we know this. We know if you go to a job, you have to know what is seen, what is unseen, and how you should behave in in the midst of knowing all this stuff. And so people are waiting. Like people should have, I mean, people should have PR. Let's just say that. Like certain boxing people should have PR. Some of it is good. I guess some publicity for some people is good publicity because let's say like an Agent Broner. Agent Broner lose six, seven fights. But he still gets people to come to his his uh, matches because he always got some something going on, some controversy, some buzz around him. But you take another fighter yeah. who says the the slightly wrong thing. Let Deontay Wilder say something wrong or something that's unfavorable. They will jump down his throat and and crucify him. You know, like yeah, I agree. You you have to be on your toes and you have to you know, mine, whatever. And, I mean, if it is a ploy to get Loba Chick on the ring, it's it's just that. I mean, I grew up in, like I said, same thing that you said. You you play to other schools and you get up because you like, these motherfuckers are not about to beat me, you know, in the gym to this day. This motherfucker is not about to beat me, you know, and <laughs> it, it just kind of is what it is. But, I mean, nevertheless, if you say the shit, it's still insensitive. But, Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I feel that also too, man. You know, let's—I don't know if one of you guys said, but let's let's just let's—I'm gonna say it and I'm gonna lay it out there. The one thing history has shown us about about boxing: very few fighters can be the black fighters can be the nice guy and make money in this sport. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I said very very few fighters can can be the black can can very, very few black fighters can play the nice guy role and make a lot of money in this sport. And what I mean by that is, look at the difference between Floyd Mayweather, okay, and everybody didn't like him. Now you see everybody tell me, "Oh, the reason why we don't like we like somebody black if they was opposite of Floyd." Well, I give you Andre Ward, and they had a lot of shit to say about this guy, right? You're talking about a dude who, who married his high school sweetheart, he had a baby by Kristen. You don't hear anything. You don't hear anything in the news cheating, putting hands him, none of that drugs. You don't hear nothing about Andre Ward, right? But they still found something to criticize it. him on. Yeah, right. And they still find something to criticize them on. You just mentioned Adrian Broner. Adrian Broner is more popular and can lose fights and get fights, right? But here is a guy like like, like you just mentioned in Devin Haney. He's being looked on, he's being looked over. Okay? The Chalos, nobody started looking at the Charlos till they start playing, you know what I'm saying, for sort of the villain. Same thing with Deontay Wilder. This dude who got into boxing because of his daughter. And then once he started, you know what I'm saying, being that villain. Now everybody was like, whether you like him or you hate him, but everybody started paying attention to him. And to your point, Deontay Wilder did say something that people jumped him on. When he jumped on Radio Raheem. Someone said, "What do you mean? What what I mean about my people? My people been blah, blah 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 to this day." And if, yeah, to this day, and everybody jumped on. What did he know about that? He's not. He know he's not politically moved. I remember when Deontay Wilder went to meet the president. They jumped on him about that, and I'm like, dog. He went because the president was uh, uh, partnering. Jack Johnson, and Jack, Johnson, Jack Johnson's granddaughter was there. And he was there yeah. with Lynn Lewis, and he was there in support of boxing. And they jumped on him about that. You know what I'm saying? Why you next to this dude? Blah, blah, X, Y, you Z. Y'all know how he is, and blah, blah whatever. And I'm like, alright, man, that's why I'm, I'm saying what I'm saying is, certain fighters, dog, certain, we all know, black fighters, when you do something, you have a certain group of people that way to trounce on you, <laughs> no matter what it is you say. So, that's why, like, I'm just saying for me, I'm not going to sit and say people are not entitled to be upset and angry because you cannot control how people are going to take something. I'm just saying for me, yeah, I heard him say it. I thought about B-Hop, and I'm thinking, oh, this soon as I, soon as I heard him say it, I thought, oh, this dude trying to get Lomachenko in the ring because Bob Arum is up there telling us something. Fighting him don't make no sense, which I agree with him from a business standpoint because I can make a lot more money fighting T.F. E. players, fighting Tank Davis, and fighting Ryan Garcia. I can make a lot more money fighting them than Devin Haney. And I I totally I see that point from a business standpoint. But as a fan, no, I want to see Devin Haney in that mix, though, as a fan. Okay? Uh, yeah. Bob Aram also said it was 10 lightweight better than Devin Haney. <laughs> All right? So, I mean, I, I get it. Yeah, I get it, man. I really do get it. And I understand everybody's anger. I don't want nobody to think I'm being dismissive of it. But at the end of the day, for me, what he said, what it was insensitive, but in no shape, form, or fashion was it racist at all. Period. Because I, right. I'm gonna say this again, like my man said it, dog. And to this day, as, as a 50 year old man, I can tell you, I'm up for anybody. You know what I'm saying? You come test my manhood, you know. Doc, you, you come.
1: <laughs> right. You
3: know, but especially, but especially if you the the if you are from the other side of that gender, you come test my manhood, dog. I got something for your ass, man.
0: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And, and the thing is, with Devin Haney, he's, you know, a very confident guy. It's not like he's, you know, talking like this for just uh, Lomachenko. He's done that with Ryan Garcia. He's, you know, you know had the instance uh, where they were face-to-face after Ryan Garcia's win over um, Francisco Ponseca. And, you know, then after that particular fight, you talk about, you know, Bernard Hopkins, well, Bernard Hopkins had an interview with Radio Raheem, and, you know, Devin Haney and Bill Haney, you know, were up there, and he, you know, basically called out the uh, all the lightweights uh, that were out there at that particular time, and then uh, Bill Haney was like, man, you know, he'll face anybody, and he said that he basically called out Mackie Garcia uh, in that particular video, and, and that was, you know, something there, but as far as, like, you know, Devin Haney and... um And, you know, his confidence against Lomachenko, like I basically, you know, saw that from him after he's went over uh, Zara Abdullaev. So I'm going to see if I can try to play something here for like a minute and a half after uh, his fight with um, Zara Abdullaev where, you know, he kind of like talks about his time at 135, his limited time at 135, and then his confidence on beating Lomachenko. So I'm going to see if I can run that here real quick. Now, I see that you, you're you here at 135. How long will it be until you start to move up to 140
3: and 147, according to you? My weight cut went
2: actually really good for this fight. I felt great. Uh, I'll stay at 135, you know, if I can get a big fight, but I'm not going to stay here you know, forever. I'm not going to stay here, you know, too long, but I'm willing to stay here for, you know, a, a little bit longer, you know, because I, I, I want to get a title – at 135, and then move up. I don't want to, you know, miss the 135 d- division, you know, without getting a title. You know, I want to be multi-weight, multi-division world multi- champion. Right? So, you know, it starts at 135. I
1: Personally, feel like
0: that you would compete
1: for a What do you see in the sale of a title? Because I believe I see what you see in a title. That you did the people, but there's the people that here tonight that think you took three yeah, yeah, well, you know, Lomachenko is a great fighter. You know, I
2: take nothing away from him. Um, and that's exactly why I want to fight him, because he's a great fighter. And no, no disrespect to, you know, he of his other opponents, but they were obviously, you know, too great for him, too. So if I'm too great, let me just go on the list with all the other great fighters that he fought.
1: <laughs>
0: So, yeah, there there was uh, Devin Haney back in September, uh, was it 16th or 17th after his win over Azar Abdullah. And there he just talks about, you know, hey, why not, you know, put me in there in the ring against Lomachenko like all the other green fighters because he says, like, he's ready for, you know, and that was last year, you know, before he got injured. But, you know, he still has that confidence right now after being recovered from his shoulder injury. So, uh that's kinda like what I get
3: off of that, you know, so um any more reactions to it? like what what he was saying? No nah, man, I'm I'm uh I mean I'm good man, like I said, I, I understand how some people uh are taking it and I understand it, but if you know the history behind it, this was said once before by Bernard Hopkins and it, it was said in the and I, I like how you present it. Clips and videos of him talking about Lomachenko. so you can clearly see this. This wasn't a racial thing. This was his way of trying to get in the ring with with, with Lomachenko. But again, at the end of the day, like I said, I'm not going to sit and be like, "Man, y'all wrong." Be my shut up, no, because again, uh, my man, he said it, and and, and, and my dog, 2K, uh, uh, probably says it all the time. These fighters need PR people. And, yeah. you know, this is a situation where, yeah, you repeated something that was said historically, but there was a reason why that hasn't been said since Bernard Hopkins said it, <laughs> finding out that reason right now.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: yep, it, like, Yeah, like you, like you were saying, I mean, it, that part with uh, Bernard Hopkins, like social media was nowhere near uh, what it is now. So, you know, when he said it, I mean, it's only like, you know, maybe it circulated. You know, the boxing waves in, in one level, but now with the thing with what um, Devin Haney said, like, it spread all over YouTube, it's all over Twitter, and, you know, multiple uh, writers and columnists were talking about it on Twitter, and then he had to say something, you know, as far as, like, a reaction to it and he had to speak with uh, the WBC president, Mauricio Suleiman, and, and all types of stuff, but I'm like, man, like, like you wouldn't have that happen within one day back in, like, what, 2006 or whatever it was uh, when that fight happened between Bernard Hopkins and Joe Calzog. But, you know, nowadays, when everything is so instant, uh, it's, like, crazy, like, you can have one controversial comment, and then on your phone, you you see those notifications for Twitter or Facebook, and you see them, like, coming out back to back to back to back to back, to back because of basically, you know, what you said and how, how much it's, you know, being shared on social media. So, um, but, you know, like like I was uh, putting up there with that earlier clip after um, Devin Haney's fight against Abdullah he's like, yo, man, just put me in the ring there with Lomachenko because I feel like I could beat him. And it, it seems like y'all had no problems getting all of those other guys in the ring against him. So if you could do that for them, then why not do it for me? You know? So that's kind of a, what I had in that particular topic. Um, you know, I did, like was saying something about uh, the interview with Gary Russell Jr. that I had on yesterday. I will have portions of that available on YouTube, but you can catch the whole interview on Anchor.fm or through iTunes uh, there. And uh, seeing that we got like about, say, like 15 minutes in the uh, live session of uh, this particular uh, podcast, you can call in at 347-237-5539. Once again, 347-237-5539. Uh, Press the one key to get on the and be able to talk live on the show. Uh, but real quick, before I go into my next segment, um, Bo, since I do have you on here, there was one thing that I had um, on one of my previous podcasts where I looked up one of the articles, I think it was on Three Kings, where you talk mm-hmm. about fights that should happen once, you know, boxing picks back up and, <laughs> you know, things get, you know, going, right? Yeah. And yeah. so... You know, we had like, you know, the I think the top fight that you had was um, Spence and Crawford, right? And mm-hmm. I think you know was the other one. Well, ha- I think you had the thing with Fury and Wilder uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the lower scales, I think you had the thing for uh, Ramirez Taylor, and like you could name a couple for of sure. others that are that were um, on the on list. Taylor,
3: Caleb Plant, David Benavidez. Caleb mm-hmm. uh, yes, yes, Plant, David week. Benavidez. I, I, yeah, I definitely want to see that. When um, you get down to the lower weight guys, I, I, you know, I know about Koze Tanaka and all that, but, yo, man, I listen, I want to see Nawe Noe and, and you know, Nordin Akubali because I think that's a hell of a fight. I think Nordin Akubali is that dude. Like, Naway Noe, in my opinion, needs to get on Nordin Akubali right now. You get that dude one or two more fights, he's going to be a problem for you, Akobali, know, and I truly believe mm-hmm. that. You know, he, that French dude is, you know, y'all get a chance, man. Y'all got to check that guy out, man. So, you, you know, you got that. Estrada and uh, Roman Gonzalez, you got to redo that fight. It would be a different yeah, fight. Yeah, they, they want to make this that. Is a, this is a different Estrada than what we saw in 2012, Roman Gonzalez. I mean, this is a different Roman Gonzalez. So, you definitely, you know what I'm saying, you definitely yeah. want to make that fight. So, you know, you, you got a lot of fights, especially like, you know, the, the lower tier guys are like my workhorse. Of boxing because these dudes, you know, what I'm saying they get in the ring. But yeah, man, any of those fights would get my money, man. Like real talk, they get my man. I reach in my wallet. You know, I tell my family, you know, life's gonna be off this month. And <laughs> I just want to watch. It. You know? I just wanna watch it. Yeah, man, you know, I get them fights. You know that the the one that I'm and I know it's, it's kind of one that goes under. I do want to see a Tour better be of Demetrius Baval. I hope they make that too. Better be every one of them dudes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. He's, he's one of them dudes that's he's, he's technically sound to the point where you know, because cause I even mentioned, so I said right about now, Rigo fight would be welcome. What I mean by that is, Rigo is listed as a boring fighter, so I miss boxing so much. And I'm, I'm, you know, if, if you know anything about me, you know what my cultural background is. So for me to say that, dog, that means <laughs> that means something, right? So <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that means something. But I actually would like to see Dmitry Bivall and, uh, to a better BF because I think Baval is one of those fighters. He's so technically sound. And if he can beat you with a jab, that's what he'll do. He's one of those fighters, I think, that if he is pushed to raise his level, that that's when you'll see, you'll finally get to see that Bivall you've been wanting to see. And I think, and, and I think better BF is that dude because, Beterbiev comes to – he he's on a seek-and-destroy type of mission when he comes to fight you. So he's looking to hurt you and hurt you hard. And I think when he gets in there with Bival, we'll probably – we're well, one of two things, either Beterbiev be will overcome or we'll see a Bival who raises his game. So that's a really intriguing fight to me, man. Yeah, that
2: would um, be interesting if, if Bival responded like that. Like, I, I, I say this with a grain of salt, with a lot of salt on it. But I see Bivol potentially succumbing. if if Better BF can get Bivol in the corner and Bivol doesn't move and he can like just like get him while he stops and he like Mm -hmm. imposes his will. I see Bivol folding. If you're right, if Bivol can use that jab and keep and stay away and just confuse Better BF for like twelve rounds, he'll win the boxing match. But it it would be interesting to see if Bivol kicked it to another level due to better BF's pressure. I just can better BF stalk him and, and like keep him, you know, where he wants him to be though. Can better BF cut off the ring? Can he do all these things that will need to be done against a, a Bivol? That that would be my question. But that would be interesting mm. to see what, exactly what you said. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah. uh, I think, you know, pick, and, and the thing is we, I'm sorry, go ahead, man.
0: No, nah, I, I was saying like, for me man, I've I've seen Baval you know, live uh you know, in that undercard for um Kovalev Alvarez. You know, I seen him, you know, fight uh John Pascal and I hadn't been really, you know, that much impressed with Baval's performances. Man. And
2: and mm-hmm. you know,
0: for me better be it if this like freaking Wolverine or something, man. Like You know, going up against the Gvoznik, he he was able to, you know, work down and break down Gvoznik and just beat him up. And I think that for me, Gvoznik, to me, was, you know, a little bit more skilled than Baval or more polished than Bavall. And he just got battered. And and that's why I'm like, yo, it would not be a good look if they put in Baval against better BF. Uh, right now, at this particular point, man, because uh, yeah, it wouldn't be, man. I, I'm I'm sorry, man. I, I think I think he he'll, he'll get he'll get mashed up. He would get mashed mm-hmm. up. I better be up, yeah, man. I I just yeah, I just don't you know see that uh, happening. But um, I did, um, you know, one of the last uh, fights that was out there with the crowd um or fight cards was the one with uh, Mikey Garcia and Jesse Vargas and in that undercard I saw, you know, Chocolate Hill Gonzalez uh, get that stoppage win over Kyle Yafai. and yeah, like ooh. I said, man, hey Gonzalez against Estrada now, ooh man, yo. Yeah, he talking about you talking about pulling out money though <laughs> he'll see that
3: fight, yo, I pull man, out money. Dog. He'll see that fight. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I'm reaching yeah. in the back of the toilet and grab that plastic bag, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, grab yeah, grab that bag,
0: you know, grab that bag. Um yeah, that's that's one I, that, you know, definitely
2: wanna see. Um I, I got a question. I got a question. Yeah. So What's up? Um Caleb Plant versus Benavidez. Who do you have and why? <clears throat> Ooh, listen, man. As much
3: as uh, and and one thing about me, man, I ain't gonna sugarcoat it, you, you know. You, you know, because the truth is just that. The truth don't care about the feelings. The truth don't care about is it sweet or sour when hits your lips. I gotta go with David. I gotta go with David is man. I think David Benavidez, and here's the reason why. I think Caleb Plant is a very good defensive fighter, but when I look at 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 the 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 Wade Caleb Plant kind of fight. He's one of them dudes that he thinks defense first, offense second. Sometimes he'll switch it up. David Benavidez is all freaking offense. Awesome. David Benavidez is coming in. David Benavidez has good boxing skills as well as when David Benavidez is is on it, he's on. I've seen David Benavidez for a tall dude be able to take that half a step pivot back to where you just missed by inches then counting you with a couple one-two punches. I remember when he fought Medina and then like, I like the guys he fought leading up to him being the champion when he fought Porky Medina. That yeah. fight was a statement. You know, that was a statement fight. I like the fact that he went back and he rematched Gabriels. He didn't have to, but he did it to show us that wasn't the real me. Yeah. This is the real me. I, real. So I definitely like that. Yeah, so I, 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 I think Benavidez, like if I was the for percentage, I got 60-40 days, uh, days of Benavidez because I think from an offensive standpoint and just the overall ability – and I I just kind of feel Benavidez got more of a dog in him than Cato Plant. Yeah, I think if Benavidez put that pressure on Plant, just like I saw with Jose Uzcategui, I think when Benavidez puts that pressure on Plant, Plant starts fading like he did in the whole, Jose Uscotigi in the second half of the fight. Plant is a front runner. He kind of reminds me like a, of a James DeGale, but more conditioned. He's a great front runner, but in the second half, he kind of lets you back in the fight. I think David mm. Benavidez is not a guy where you want to be a front runner and not say nothing for the second, you, know, you know what I'm saying, for the third leg of that run.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, interesting about Fiddle, about him being a front runner, because yeah. I think with F- Fig Bucks, like even though Fig and Bucks and he he knocked him out, it, like I was at the fight in Nashville and I was just kind of wondering, like Caleb, are you about to let this dude like like is this dude about to pull off one of these little lucky punches and like catch you with something, but he was a front runner. He was, he was winning most every exchange, but I was just like, this, this fight just a little bit too exciting for me. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's a half of a a inch off from, from clipping him, you know, like he definitely a front runner. I'll give my coming out to James, I guess. Yeah. I think uh, like, yeah, like you were saying,
0: man, you know, playing is kind of like a front runner in that instance. And, You know, for me, watching that fight against Figenbutz, I was like, Figenbutz really can't do much of anything to really affect Caleb Plant. So, I was just looking for Caleb Plant to actually put something together to spectacularly finish Figenbutz. And you didn't necessarily see that, where on the flip side, Benavidez could definitely, you you know, create a spectacular finish, Um, and, you know, like you were saying, Bo, like, you know, Benavidez is a dog. Like, he will walk you down, and he don't care. Like, if you throw one or two, he'll come back with uh, two or three or four uh, if you don't really, you know, affect him right. And, you know, with Caleb Plant, you know, him being defensive is one thing, but you also have to be an effective. And with somebody that's, you know, effective uh, or not effective but aggressive as Benavidez, if you're going to counter him, you have to counter him with something that says, Hey, um, oh, he's countering with something big, you know, coming back. So I have to think twice about, you know, approaching him the way that I was approaching him initially. So I don't see Caleb Plant really doing something like that to where he he'll make uh David Benavidez think twice about coming forward. Uh so that's kinda like where I just say that Benavidez has the, you know, edge in that particular matchup.
2: Uh, there, I uh, disagree on this. I think that Caleb Plant has the tools. So, like you said, Bo said he he fights defensive first and then offensive second. I think that he exactly the fact that he does fight defensive first and then offensive second, he will make David Benavidez. So, two things: one or two things can happen. If David Benavidez does fight like he how he did with Porky Medina, where he throwing twenty punches and it looked like in, in the span of, like, two seconds, then, yeah, that's going to be tough for uh, Caleb Plant. Again, does Benavidez, the ring, does he, like, with his pressure, is is it intelligent pressure, or can Caleb Plant literally do, like, a Mike Lee? Like, box him all over the ring and then, like, land something in right behind Mike Lee swinging at him, like land something in the middle of it or behind him swinging at him. I think he has the ability to make... Benavidez pace and it'll be within one of the exchanges where he does something, you know, maybe do do a shoulder roll, maybe duck under, roll under and then come with a, you know, left hook, anything. I don't know, but yeah, that'd be a great fight, man. I think that, that, that is why the fight is so intriguing because both fighters have, have the tools to like beat each other. And, you know, it might come down to who has the, the most dog in them. And, Caleb hadn't necessarily had to. You have not had to see the dog in Caleb yet. Like Caleb, you can tell Caleb is a prideful, strong-willed person. I can tell that, and that's mm-hmm. one reason why I follow him and I like him because you can tell he got like that Andre Ward in him. If if you hit me, I got to get that back, you know. Um, and and no, I can't let you feel like you winning around. You know, the only way you feel like you winning around is if you catch me and buzz me. And and I literally gotta get out the round like Kovalev, like with Ward Kovalev. I just I just gotta get out this round, regroup, you know, recalibrate whatever went wrong. Other than that, nah, you, you I can't let you think you win this, Oh, you think you win this round? Take that body shot. You know, like my best fight that I have seen where somebody literally broke somebody down was Ward Kovalev too. Like yeah. textbook for how a young fighter can learn to beat another fighter, um, you know, at the same stature of them, like it, it was—it was just amazing to see. Like it was like head to head, head to head, head to head, and you could just see he, he just inch, just slowly inching down by all those body shots, and 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 unfortunately that was his Achilles' heel. But um, yeah, man, that was that was a great fight because it, it was competitive up, to, up until you could just see the the, the chink in the armor, and then you saw the chink in the armor. Uh, wore yeah. his armor again. The armor flew off. Boom, hit it again. Now he hitting the body. Boom, hit it again. Now, now you know it's like he hitting raw skin with with metal. You know, it just was. It was it was a great fight. But I see that in uh, Caleb Plant, and it'll be a great fight. Benavidez ain't no slouch. Benavidez is 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 a very talented. I, when I first saw the um, the uh, Medina thing, I was like, did somebody speed this up? And then I went and looked at it. And the dude head was, like, bobbing back like it was just like a, a pinball or something. I don't know what it was. It was loud. like, man. It was crazy. Like, did y'all see that when, when they first showed the replay? And, and did you not think it was, like, a sped-up replay? Like, on, on uh, Twitter or whatever? Uh, I watched the fight live, man. And I when the fight
3: was over, that one part I was rewinding, like, I don't like crazy, like dog. Because I was, like, <laughs> I was trying to count the punches. But you get you get lost in counting the punches because you're watching the head, man. <laughs> so I was like, what? But like, you know, yep. I was on Benavidez long before he fought Medina. I remember when he used to fight on Showbox. I used to check him out mm-hmm. on Showbox. I'm like, yo, man, who is this kid? Him and a cat by the name of James McAllister. I used to watch them two dudes the super middleweight. Like, man, who is this kid? But you know, you know, you make a very good point about Caleb Plant because here's the thing: we know the dog and David Benavidez because what he did with Jay Leon Love, he got him out of there and he went to the corner and when he was. They was they was trying to talk to him about the fight. Like, no, no, forget that. Yo, Andre, where my belt at? I mean, Anthony, where my belt? Where my belt? He was like, yo, man, forget forget that fight. Where my belt at, Anthony? Where my belt, dog? So, you, you know, you saw that. I think, and you make a point about plant. Uh, Because after Uzi Kege, man, I, you, you can't deny he did knock out the next two guys he faced, right? It was kind of, it was like lacklusterly, but he did it. So, he knows with, you know what I'm saying? He knows what's going on. He knows what's at stake. So, you know, I can't say he ain't got no dog in him. I just think that Benavidez uh, has more dog in him. But this is a fight where we could really see. That's why see, I like fights like this because fights like this, where you don't know what somebody got, these are the fights where they'll show it to you. This could be the fight where Caleb Plant shows that dog in him because they do have a long standing beef. Caleb Plant did say if he can keep his nose clean, then maybe we could fight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah he did Yep, he <laughs> certainly said that. Yeah, he certainly said that. And then you know he, he's been like waiting yeah, he he's been like waiting for this fight for well, since about what about fourteen months or so. You know, so that like, yeah, once that once that thing is finally materialized and you know, they'll be able to like get it on. Um I know that originally they had, um, you know, like they had the fight with uh, Plant and Segan, but that was uh, Plant's mandatory defense. So they were just, you know, waiting on uh, Benavidez uh, to have his one defense and then, you know, make that unification fight happen. So, um, but now it's like, you know, with all of these delays, uh, who knows when they'll be able to schedule all of that. Um, Two two kind of fights that um, had been, like, brought up uh, within the past, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. It was, like, a couple of weeks ago when um, Eddie Hearn was on with uh, a few fighters like Katie Taylor and all of those. Uh, but he had, like, Daniel Jacobs on, and he had uh, Demetrius Andrade on. And the thing is, is, like, with Demetrius Andrade, you know, people keep talking about uh when if they're going to make that fight between him and Jerome Charlo. And I'm like, well, just try to make something happen. I mean, like we've already had uh cross promotional fights, you know, going down before. So, you know, what's the issue with uh making this fight happen? I know that, you know, Andre has had uh problems in the past with uh Jamel Charlo when uh they were supposed to have a fight and. uh Demetrius's dad, Paul Andre, uh, kind of like nixed the fight. So this has basically been like a long-standing rivalry between Andre and the Charlo brothers. So there's got to be some t- some way that they could make this fight happen because since um uh you know there isn't much that J- Jamal Charlo could do with the WBC belt. He can't necessarily like unify uh, with um you know, Golovkin, they're not making that fight. And, you know, who knows what happens with uh, Canelo. So, and Canelo's supposed to be fighting Golovkin. So why not make this fight for unification? You know? So what about that possibility?
3: Listen, man, uh, here's the thing, man. I don't, people want to talk about what Andrade did three years ago. I don't care about that. Charlo got to see that man simply because of one reason. He's a world champion. He holds the belt in the division that you're in. So you got to see that, man. Like, they got to see each other. And what? here's how uh, back in the day, if you were trying to get a fight with somebody, here's what you did. Now, I've been on record as saying how Marvin mother is probably my favorite of all time uh, fighter. But he didn't fight Mike McCallum, the body snatcher. But that didn't stop Mike McCallum from fighting other top dudes. He would go up and wait, down and wait. He would fight other top dudes to try to corner a fight with either Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, uh, Duran, or even Tommy Hearn. Well, that's the same thing kind of here, what you have to do. If one of you guys fight, if you guys fight each other and become unified champion, well, they can't ignore you. But if you're just sitting on the sideline waiting to see what they're going to do, then they can ignore you, especially if they think it's a tougher fight than what they want or the money just isn't there for them to make that fight right now. You see what I'm saying? So if the money isn't there for us to make the fight, then you got you to gotta bring something more to the table for an incentive for them. Oh, he's a unified champion? Okay, bet. I'll fight one of them, and I'm one step closer to the undisputed or, 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 or whatever the case may be. So they're going to have to make noise for people to say, if they fight each other, this it's a great fight. Whoever wins that fight, the loser's not diminished. Why? Because you two, you two guys are one of the top guys in the division. So you're not diminished. Canelo Alvarez proved that to us when he lost to Floyd Mayweather. You're not diminished because you lose to the best. Okay, so you the losers not diminished. Then the winner, you're you're a unified champion. Now guys in that division, in order to make moves, they can't avoid you. They have to see you because everybody's going to be talking. Everybody like you have sometimes, man. You have to give the press a reason to say your name, and you know, and I, I that that's just what it is. Sometimes yes, there are some guys out there, dog that will benefit from free press all day long and four times on Sunday. And sometimes there are guys out there that have to give the press a reason to say their name. Marcus McDonough does not get to Floyd Mayweather if he don't go in there and take out Adrian Broner. And by him fighting Broner, that people was like, hey, man, somebody got to fight this dude. <laughs> they, they, You know, he, he got this press. Somebody got to fight him because we knew it wasn't going to be Floyd and Broner because they was cool. So, Somebody got to fight him. So that's the situation here. They got to fight each other. You become a unified champion. Now you've cornered Golovkin into having to make a decision to fight you. You've cornered Canelo Alvarez into having to make a decision to fight you. And that's what, you know, sometimes in the sport, that's what you have to do. You have to try to corner that guy or that person you chase or make it clear you're chasing that person by saying, listen, I'm going to fight this I'm a unified champion in this division. I've done something for people to be like, man, dog, he beat Andrade. Right now, the type of guys they're beating, Charlo, i not like Andrade. But the kind of guys you're beating, that's not enough for, for, for to the, the print press and say, Canelo needs to fight him. Look, he just beat uh, – what's his name again? Key- yeah, yeah, man, he just beat Keeler. The Keeler Elf. No, no, Luke oh, – no, I'm, I'm sorry, not the Keeler Elf. Keeler. Yeah, he just beat Keeler. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: Keeler
3: Elf. You know, you yeah, the, you know what I'm saying? Same thing with Charlo. You know, you got to – you know, you, you can't you can't win the title beating a dude with a bad leg and think everybody's going to campaign for you to be able to fight Canelo Alvarez. Canelo Alvarez is the top. You know he's a category by himself, So he's a guy you you gotta be making moves and be doing stuff if you if for people to even make your name to fight him because he's gonna he's gonna look at the fight that they know they can make that's worth the money mm-hmm. to them and easier for them to make. Plain, you know, I mean, fighting yep. Kovalev out of all the other guys in light heavyweight, why do you think he chose Kovalev? <laughs> right.
0: You know, number one, it's it, it's you know he's he he was at the time the most notable light like, heavyweight to fight, and still he's still the easiest, you know, most likely the easiest fight that he could have. So why not fight him?
2: You know, and and that's crazy huh. that he was like the the best um the best bang for his buck with the easy with the least risk. Like I ain't trying to be funny, but that's who you fight if it's if it's the biggest bang for your buck. With the easiest risk, Kovalev made made a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. All the other guys didn't make a lot of sense. Maybe Vivald, right. but Vivald could probably box around Kovalev, you know, but they wouldn't give him decision. But, you know, Kovalev was, was the name to go with. Mm-hmm. Yep. And,
0: you know, that's how they, you know, basically set up that fight between Canelo and Kovalev because they knew that that would be, you know, the easiest – probably the easiest route for Canelo to win a world title uh, there because you know, he may have had a couple of issues with Bivol, or it would probably be an easy fight. I feel that it would have been a little bit of an easy fight for Canelo but I don't think that you know would garner that much money and I don't think that, I'm sorry, I don't think that Canelo would want to go against Red BF, at least not at that point. You know, that's kind of a real calculated risk if he wants to do that. So, you know, that's kind of like how I approach that uh, particular instance with uh, Canelo and Kovalev. But, you know, like you were saying there, Bo, both Andre and and Charlo, they got to do something and fight each other. Because ain't no other way that they can make a name because they won't be able to fight anybody else. You know, so why not, you know, make that fight happen? Um, The other one I was uh, talking about that was uh, there with Eddie Hearn was Daniel Jacobs, a former uh, middleweight champion. Daniel Jacobs uh, moved up to super middleweight. Of course, he had his fight with little Chavez, and we saw how that turned out. Uh, But it seems like uh, somebody, um, you know, by the name of Gabe Rosado, has been talking a lot of trash to Daniel Jacobs and it seems like they are trying to set up for a fight against each other. But and I don't know about this thing with Gabe because in this like uh Gabe's third division that he's been in and going up against somebody like Jacobs, who's, you know, basically, you know, a dog that, you know, does a lot of things well and, could really, yeah, it could really, uh, you know, hurt um, Gabe Rosado at this particular point of Gabe Rosado's career. This is, you know, the same like Gabe Rosado that lost to uh, Selecki and a pretty good, that had a pretty good ending to the fight, but Selecki, you know, got the better of Gabe Rosado for the majority of that fight. So that's how, you know, Selecki was able to get that decision win over in Philadelphia. Um, so you know that has also been something that has been a possibility of happening once uh, things pick back up. So, um, any quick comments on that?
3: It's
1: a good, it's a good
3: introduction
2: fight. You go ahead,
3: Bo. Oh, okay, I'll just say it's a, I'm going to keep it short. It's an introduction fight a super middleweight for Daniel Jacobs. I think it's uh Dave Rosado is a solid test if you want to test yourself as. Uh, another fight where you wanna test yourself a super way, He's a solid test in the decent and a fair enough decent name to wear the garnish mm-hmm. a little
0: Gotcha. What, what you got, Mike?
2: I I think I was gonna say a bunch of words to get to what Bo just said. I think that it's um <laughs> yeah, that's sorry, the guy I'm sorry he, man, my bad man <laughs> I, I was gonna say a bunch of words, but that's gonna be the just what I was going to say. That's the guy he like if you wanted to 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 see where you at and you know not necessarily go in it and and lose and and also have a quotation mark a name on your on your resume and 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 preserve your career and blah blah blah, you fight a Gabe Rosado. You know, is it is it the fight everybody want to see? Probably not, but you should be able to win. You maybe stop the fight early by, by cutting him, and then the fight ends in round six or so. Don't don't take no big punch, and you got a, got a name on your resume that, that, that builds your resume. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you could
0: probably, yeah, you could put it like that. Is like, you know, people, you know, do know Gabe Rosado, and new Nate, you know, know him as a, a world title challenger at middleweight. Um and that he has completed that, you know, super welterweight. Um, but, you know, now he's up there at super middleweight and see what he could do, you know, at super middleweight. But um, with Daniel Jacobs, as long as he's able to, you know, go in there and take care of business, he should be able to get the win. And then, you know, later on down the line, potentially uh, be in position to fight for a world title at super middleweight because, um Callum Smith is out there with the WBA and Ring Magazine Super Middleweight Championships, and he really don't have any type of fight set up anywhere. So maybe just have Daniel Jacobs and Callum Smith uh, put together for a fight right there. So, you know, that's, you know, why I wanted to kind of bring that up. Um, I'm going to, you know, put a close on to this particular episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show. I wanted to, You know, go into a segment about uh, fights that were scheduled to happen but didn't. But I'll put that uh, on the shelf for next week. Um, Same time, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time Sunday Live. And it will be available on iTunes uh, later on down the line. So check that out. Uh, Thank uh, y'all for calling in to this particular episode. Uh, Like I said, we'll get it back going next week. And like I said, the end of every show. The point of boxing is to hit, and I can hit, not to send the trade. On that note, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody.